Well, let's look at John 20, verse 30 this morning. John 20, verse 30. It says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now this is after Jesus has risen, after he is... Uh, he's come and seen in the disciples again after he ris he's risen and come back. But it says here, verse 30, Truly he did many other things in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Verse 31, But these are written. What are written? Everything that was written in the book of John. Everything that's written in the Gospels. These things were recorded that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So you could say what, the, what John is saying is these things that I've written, they're written so that you would have a reason to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing by believing you may have life in his name. So you could say, you know, what we're talking about this morning, we're saying these things going over what the Bible says so that you may believe, so that we may believe, so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, He's the Christ, that Christ is the Savior, the Messiah, and that by believing in Him that we may have life. So the gospel, the gospel, called the gospel, the gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. It's what the Bible says about Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is straightforward. The gospel, what we're celebrating today as Christians, is straightforward. It is simple. It's not complicated. It's very straightforward. So, you know, this morning, there's people um, attend Easter service for all different reasons. Some, some people, you know, you're a Christian. You, you are attending your local church. And you're excited about what Jesus did, and so you're coming to celebrate that. You know, some, some are uh, using it as an opportunity. They, they go to a different church and, and check it out, or they haven't been in church. You know, some, some individuals, they maybe came with family members. Some people have hit a wall in their life, and, you know, whether it's online or here, and they're looking for something beyond themselves. And they need something. They realize they need something. They don't know what it is, but they want truth. You know, somebody, you know, you could feel like because of your background that somehow you were guilted. You have to come to Easter service. Or, you know, somebody made you feel guilty, God forbid, or something. Or you saw some commercial like, ah, I should go to Easter service. And there, I'm sure there's many other reasons why people come or people are tuning in. And all around the world, you know, this is, this is one of the biggest uh, Sundays where people attend church. Easter, Christmas. You know what third is? Mother's Day. True. Packed, you know. Mama wants people to go to church, they go to church. <laughs> so I don't know about you. It's going to be a little bit, you know, uh, what I had on my heart this morning. I don't know about you, but I don't like, um, you know, if, if you're buying a product or buying a service and you're in a store or you're dealing with somebody, I don't like it when people try to sneak up on me. 
or try to manipulate me or do a hard sell. Do you? Anybody say, no, I really love that. <laughs> I personally, if, if I need a product or a service and you know, I've done my research and I'm going into the store, I don't want all the reasons necessarily why I should buy your product at, at the expense of something else. I don't want you know, the, the rosy sunny day path. I want to know how this would help me in my situation. I don't, I don't want to know you know, why everybody else's product is bad or anything like that. I, I, I just want to know, will it help me and to have an honest assessment? But if you're trying to hard sell me, man, that, that's a good way to shut me down. I don't know about you. If you try to be like, you know, you insult my intelligence by kind of trying to slip stuff in there and kind of sneak up on me, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. Well, in, you know, today... I'm just going to, what we're going to do, you know, Jesus, uh, the gospel of of Jesus Christ, it's not a product, it's not a service. It's a truth. But I don't believe people want to hear it in a manipulative or sneaking up way any more than anything else. Do you? I mean, I sure don't. So today, we're just going to share the truth of what the Bible says concerning the gospel. Just going to go through it. And uh, everybody that's listening online, if you're here for whatever reason, for those that are Christians and you, you, you're like, I believe this is the truth. Well, we're celebrating and our strength is being, uh, is being our, our, uh, our, our belief is being strengthened. We're, we're seeing what does the Bible say? Because it's simple. Sometimes we make it so complicated. You know, how do you share it with somebody? It's not hard. It's just simple. So we're going to rehearse and go down and just say, what, what is the gospel? There's so much truth that we can grow up and learn about the Bible, but just the simple truth of the gospel. What did Jesus do? What are we talking about? So we're just going to go through, um, just go through the truth. And, you know, everybody, uh, wherever you're at, you may be at the point where, you know, you haven't believed on Jesus you know, you, ha- you don't believe what the Bible says. And you may be uh, at the end of this service, whether you're online or here, you may be at the point where you're like, I'm, I'm not there. I need more time. That's okay. I need to process. That's okay. Because you know what? God is not a high-pressure salesman. And so this is too, pu- too important to rush. On the other hand, it's too important to dismiss as, as not uh, vital because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed that there'll be something tomorrow. So it's, you know, I just believe we ought to treat people with respect when we're talking to them and treat them like, you know, everybody comes from a different background, different position. We're talking about the truth of Almighty God. We are representatives when we read and, and share the Word of God. It is not, you know, a club. The church is not a club. It's certainly not a cult. It's not a closed thing. It, it's It's... It's the truth of the gospel of what the Bible says, who Jesus is, and what he did for humanity, and what it means for us in 2023. Like literally, what does it mean for us? So that's just what we're going to do today. You, is that okay? Is that fair? Let's, look up. Let's go back to Genesis 2, verse 9. And we're just going to, just to, to go over... Just the simplicity and the truth of the gospel. Go back to Genesis, the book of beginnings. Let's see, I have two, eight. Okay, so verse 9. And out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow 
that is pleasant. The verse before that I put up there is that he put man in the garden that he had formed, the man that he had formed. It says, God made every tree grow that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15 says, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God put the man, and then it says he created woman, put him in the Garden of Eden, specifically gave him instructions on what to do, not to do. And he said, if you, do, if you violate the instructions, you're going to die. And what is he talking about? He's talking about physical and spiritual death. If you skip down, then we're going to go to Genesis 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And, and he said to the woman, God has, has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you surely die. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat, of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of, of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11, he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Verse 12, and the man, the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, and uh, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, notice seed is capitalized, he shall bruise your head and you should bruise his heel. So this is the account of Adam and Eve disobeying God. They were put into the garden. They were, they were made uh, to have relationship with God. They walked with God. You can tell they had a relationship. They were the first people on the earth. And they, they, instead of following God and, and listening to Him, God gave them instructions and they chose to disobey. And it was much more than a, just a one-off single thing. Because they chose to disobey God, they actually were putting themselves under Satan. They disregarded what God said. They sinned 
against God. They betrayed his trust. They betrayed his instructions. And so in verse 15, we see God speaking to the serpent, who is Satan. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. He's talking about right from the beginning, right when this happened, God is talking about the Savior that would have to come to make this right. See, there was sin. Because Adam and Eve sinned, there had to be a payment for sin. And then you see there was blood sacrifices. There was animals being sacrificed. That be, that's because God is holy. His standard is above any standard. It's perfection. And so Adam and Eve sinned. God could not justly just say, ah, it's okay. There had to be a payment made for that. And so that, this started the process of eventually what would be Jesus coming to earth. So we're going to uh, just look at the aspects of this, what Jesus did, why he came, and what it means to us. So everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, of the glory of that standard. Adam and Eve sinned, and every person has sinned. You reach an age of accountability, you understand what you're doing. Nobody in here, nobody listening can say, I know I'm without sin. And because we've sinned, it makes us guilty before God. Every person inherently has a moral compass and knows what's right or wrong. There is a moral standard. Now, people try to corrupt it, try to act like it's not there. But every person was built with the knowledge of what is wrong and what is right. And every person has fallen short of doing what's right. Romans 3, verse 9, in the NLT, it says, We have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, meaning regardless of your background, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. So the Bible says all people are under the power of sin. In, the, in verse 23, Romans 3.23 it says, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Every person has sinned, and every person falls short of the standard of God. And so because of that, or because of sin, there has to be a payment made for sin. There is a price for sin in the earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, you know, they said, well, we, we realize we're naked now. They were clothed with the glory of God before. They didn't know. They had no knowledge of that. But afterwards, as soon as they sinned, they realized we're naked. They realized some reality about their situation, and God had to kill animals and clothe them with the skin. That was the first blood sacrifice. In other words, those innocent animals had to be killed to make atonement or to pay the price for Adam and Eve's sin. And this is the way it always has been. Sin is not free. 
in the universe, in the, in the, the courtroom of the universe, it has to be paid for. And every person has sinned, and so that, that sin has to be paid for. The penalty for sin is spiritual and physical death. Adam and Eve didn't die physically right away. They died spiritually immediately. Spiritual death is being separated from God. And they, they had to be removed from the Garden of Eden. They, never, they didn't walk with God like they used to anymore. They were separated, and that's the penalty for sin. And then their bodies ultimately died hundreds of years later. It took a while. Well, you can see that that's where physical death comes from. It comes from spiritual death. Let's look at Romans 6, verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin or the payment, you know, when you talk about wages... Wages are like your salary. It means you do a job and you get paid. Well, when you sin, the payment you receive is death. In the NIRV uh, version, we have that, of the Romans 6.23, it says, when you sin, the pay you get is death. But God gives you the gift of eternal life. That's because of what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done. But the payment that we should receive is death. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that's Adam, so sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. So sin came after death. Because Adam's sin, death entered the world. The world, the way it is now, is not the way God created it to be. People ask all the time, well, why, why is it this or that? All the, um, the, not the disasters in the earth, the way the weather's messed up, sickness, disease, none of that was God's original plan. That's not how he created it. God is not controlling the world, making these bad things happen. That's a result of sin in the world and the enemy, Satan, introducing these things. It said, the Bible said that where we just read, that death entered in or sin entered into the, the world through one man and death through sin. All forms of death, strife, sickness, disease, poverty, spiritual separation from God, those are all forms of death that entered the world. It says, therefore, just as through one man entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. So because every person has sin, there is death in the world. And death, just, if we just leave it uh, in and of itself, as people sinning, then every person deserves death and deserves the consequences of their sin, which is death. But Jesus was sent to make the payment for our sin. See, we, there ha we've all sinned. There has to be a payment for sin. And God sent Jesus to be that payment. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, what we're talking about today, 
that payment was made for all people. Jesus paid what we owed. He paid. He took the place. See, the wages of sin is death. We ought to get death, but Jesus stepped in, took the death for us, and we get life. So we don't get what we should have gotten because of Jesus, because he stepped in, took it for us, and on top of that, we get what he has, which is life. He exchanged, we exchanged with him. All, see, Jesus doesn't deserve any death because he never sinned. He came and acted and walked as a man on the earth. He, like one of us, except he didn't do what Adam did and sin. He was sinless. He was spotless. He bore up under, under every temptation that we've ever faced, and he didn't succumb to it. And because of that, he deserves no punishment. But he willfully came for you and me, stepped in, and said, I'll take their punishment. And then he, get, then God through Jesus gives us what Jesus deserves, which is life. Look at Romans 5.8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He showed his great love for us by sending Christ, by sending Jesus by sending the Messiah. Christ means Messiah. It means the Savior. Mm -hmm. He sent the payment. He sent the ransom to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, we had done wrong. We didn't deserve it. But God sent Jesus for us at that time before we did anything to merit it. Romans 5 uh, 18 says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. So because Adam sinned, sin spread to all mankind and judgment came, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that's Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Justification means acquittal. Justification, that word, means you're acquitted. When somebody is justified in a court of law, they're declared innocent. That's what that means. It's not a religious term. Justification is not a religious term. It's a legal term. When you've been justified in Jesus, it means you've been declared not guilty of the sin that you and I deserve in the court of the universe. We've all sinned. We deserve death. But Jesus stepped in and he paid for it. And because he paid for it, if we believe that, if we accept it, then we're acquitted. In the court of the universe, God says, not guilty. In other words, you don't have the penalty of sin pending on you. It's not in your future. It's not that you're going to have to pay because Jesus paid. So the way you receive what Jesus did, the way you accept it, the way you make it yours, actuality, because it's, it's, it's a truth 
that the Son of the living God, Jesus, came to earth and He paid for every person's sin. But it's not automatic that it becomes real in my life. The way I take it in my life, the way we receive what we call salvation, being saved, being acquitted, you could say, the payment for our sins, the way we get in on our sins being paid for is through faith, is through belief. That is, we believe with our heart what Jesus Christ has done for us. So you don't get this, you don't receive it, I should say, because you've been a good person. Because we've already said, we've all sinned. So because you have a payment coming, you can't undo that by being a good person. Because the payment has to be made. If you've done something deserving of death, just because you try to do other stuff, you, your, your sin still stands. And it has to be dealt with in the court of law, in the universal court. It has to be paid somehow. Well, Jesus has paid that. So how do I get that? So you could think of it just naturally. If there was some deal that you could get in on, somebody's advertising, there's, hey, if you sign up here and here, you know, there's a rebate for something. That they'll, they'll pay this much of whatever. You know, you're, something to do with your house. or your land. Hey, you, but you got to sign up. It's there, but you got to do something. Faith is the way we receive what Jesus has already done. In other words, we're not making it happen. We're not earning it. It was done before anyone in this room was ever born. Jesus lived. He came uh, to the earth before any of us was on this earth. And we see that God had it in his mind right from when Adam sinned. God said here, he started pointing it to the, the future and saying there is going to be a Savior. God already had it in his plan, but Jesus came before you and I walked the earth, so the deal was done before we showed up on the scene. We can't do anything to make it happen. It's already happened. We can't do anything to earn it because it was done when we didn't deserve anything. All we can do is say, really? I'll take it. And say, I'm going to sign up. Where do I sign up? That's it. We can't make it happen, and we can't earn it to happen. Romans 10, or earn, earn it itself, Romans 10, verse 9. It says, if you openly declare or confess, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, that He is Lord, He is my Lord, He is the Lord, He is the one He says He is, and you believe and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. See, why is that important? He, he, if he didn't raise from the dead, he's the same as every other person. He's dead in the grave. But if he raised from the dead, he is who he said he was. He is who God said he was. He is the son of the living God. He did what he told everyone he would do. And he's raised and he is the Messiah. And he's at the right hand of the Father. And if we believe that, then it says... If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's, that's 
the action. You know, if somebody, again, were advertising something and said, hey, there's this deal, and you're like, how can I, I sign up? And then the next thing the commercial is to sign up, and they start giving you instructions. You're like, okay, what website do I go to? What QR code do I scan? What do I do? This is what it say. It doesn't say. If, you're, if, if, if you want to be saved, be a really good person. It doesn't say join a certain church. It doesn't say, oh, well, too bad, you don't have the right family background. It doesn't say earn a, a certain amount of money. It says that you believe. Let's read verse 9 again. We'll go to verse 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. By believing in your heart that you're made right with Him. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse uh, 13, just a, a few verses later, it said, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be. Jesus Himself, John 3, 3 said, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That, that, that term is not a religious term. Born again is not something that's religious or something that's, uh, you know, church-made. It, it, Jesus is literally saying, you can't do anything in and of yourself. You have to be reborn. Spiritually, you believe something, and spiritually, you're made new, and you're declared right with God. Where you deserve sin, you're made new and no longer deserve that, that or where you deserve death, you don't deserve death because you're a new person, and the debt has been paid for you, and you've received that payment. Yeah. How? By believing. Yeah. By faith. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I'm the only way. Now, you can see it very clearly now as we've gone over these scriptures. See, the world will tell you there are many ways to God. But if you understand what has happened and how, how sin came into the earth and you understand what sin does and you understand that there has to be a payment for sin and that the payment for sin was Jesus, then the only way you can get out of the penalty is receiving the payment. You can't make up your own way. That again would be like, hey, there's this, this offer and they tell you to go to a specific website or, or, or sign up a certain way and you say, I don't like that way. I want to go to a different website. That's not going to get you the deal. It's that simple. There is one payment, and the payment was for our sin, and there's no other payment that's been made. They're all counterfeit. And so that's why people can be very sincere in their beliefs and believing something, but if it's wrong and it's not the real payment, it doesn't matter. Our sin, our death still stands. It's that simple. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. God gave his only begotten son. Why did he give his son? So that anyone, anybody, whoever believes in him, notice it says whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him. Doesn't say anybody, anything about the person other than he's believing. Whoever believes in him should not perish. In other words, should not have the penalty, should not have the payment for sin, but have everlasting life. See, when we receive what God has done through Jesus, we not only have the payment of sin taken care of, we receive his life. And we, when we receive his life, it's called eternal life, everlasting life in the Bible. It means right from that point, you are made right with God. See, where Adam, when he sinned, and every person sins, when you sin, you become, death comes in, that includes physical death, but it includes phys or spiritual death, which is separation from God. At that point, you're separated from God. When you have the life of God, when you believe on what Jesus has done, you have life imparted to you. That's what it means when you're born again. That means the life of God, that your spirit is made alive. What? Back to God. Now you can talk to God again. Now you're right with him. Now you can stand and talk to him without any sense of inferiority or condemnation or a sense of not belonging because you have been acquitted. It'd be like if you were acquitted in a court of law and all your rights were, were uh, given back to you, you don't have to be you don't have to feel inferior to anyone else because the court has declared you not guilty. And so we can talk to God. We can come to him. We don't have to have a sense of shame, not because we're so good, but because the payment has been made and we've received the payment and we say, I am right with God because of Jesus. And so we're right with him. We're alive to him. And now... We have peace with him. Romans 5, verse 1. When we receive salvation, it brings us into being right with God. And we have peace. Therefore, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, how? By faith. By faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I'll read that again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith or by believing, what we read earlier, by believing, by declaring, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of what Jesus did for us, because we believed it, because we took it, then we have peace with God. Romans 8 verse 1 says, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. When you've received the payment, when you've believed on him, then there is no condemnation. What's condemnation? What does it mean when somebody's condemned, condemned to death? When a building's condemned, it means it's, go, it's, it's uh, worth nothing. It means a building, it means it's not use, it's not fit for use anymore. When somebody's condemned to death, that means they are guilty. That means they are sentenced. This says there is no condemnation for us. Why? Because we've received Jesus. And he's the payment. So legally, the payment's been made. And I've received the payment. 
and there is nothing, then death has no hold on me. Death has no hold on me. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace, that's God's favor, because he did this for us before we, we could do anything. We couldn't help ourselves. We, we know we failed, and so we deserve the penalty. But it says, by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, God did the heavy lifting through grace. In other words, Jesus came not because we did anything to deserve it, but because God is so merciful and gracious, he gave Jesus. But by faith, we receive Jesus. See, our faith can't make Jesus pay, make the payment. That was done apart from you and me. But by faith, we receive Jesus what Christ has done. And notice it says, not of yourselves. It's the gift. What's a gift? A true gift. We're not talking about strings attached. We're talking about a true gift. A gift is yours. Whether you want it, I mean, if you want to take it, fine. If you don't want to take it, okay. If it's a true gift, the gift giver is not going to chase you down and say, oh, no, you, you must, right? You know, people that are trying to manipulate you will, but a gift is... What do you think when you think of gift? Somebody presenting you something, right? What does that mean? You can receive it. You can say, oh, thank you. I'll take it. Now, you could say, nah, nah. Well, that's rude, number one. But when we're talking about this, do we realize what we're saying? When God gives a gift and he's saying, you couldn't do anything. You deserve death. I gave my son to pay it. It's paid. Here, do you want it? If we say, no. That's, that's rejecting the gift. The gift is there regardless of our reaction to the gift, but our reaction to the gift determines whether we partake of it. It says, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. What does that mean? It's not based on how good you are. And if anybody goes, well, I'm right with God because of me, that's a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. The gospel is we couldn't do anything about it. It was done before we could do anything about it. It was done when we didn't deserve it. All we can say is, yes, I will take it. I will take it. I will take it. I will take it. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He said, Behold, I stand at the door of knock. This is profound. The God of the universe, who doesn't need to bow to anybody, says, I stand at the door and I knock. See, God, the true God, he doesn't, he doesn't push people's doors down. He doesn't break them down. He doesn't push in and, say, and, and force them or try to force them because you can't force a man's heart. Like somebody said, the door of the heart of the human heart can only be open from the inside. In other words, nobody can force you to receive anything you don't want to receive, including the Almighty. So his truth, he said, I, I've, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and what? Opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he, will me, and he with me. What is he saying? I'll come in. I'll be in your life. I'll be your sacrifice. I'll be your God because you invited me, you believed, and you acted on that, 
and now you gave me the opportunity to do what I want to do all along. Amen.